You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett, and I'm your host. So welcome to the Evolution Exchange. Today, we will be discussing how can we innovate and impact change in game development. Uh, today, we have three leaders in the industry, but I'll let them introduce themselves, uh, starting with Abigail. Hi, um, I'm Abigail Rindo. I've worked in the industry for about 10 years now, mostly in uh, mobile games, uh, but also in serious and educational games. I'm currently working at King as the narrative design director, but I've also done stints as creative director and production director at Past Studios. Awesome. Christopher? Thank you. Hi, I'm Christopher Benjaminson. I'm the CTO and one of the founders of Fast Travel Games, uh, a VR games exclusive studio here in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, been in the industry for about 16 years, uh, spent over a decade over at EA Dice at Frostbite, doing everything from programming to being head of development for the Frostbite Engine team. Um, happy to be here. Cool. And Oscar. Hi, I'm Oscar Volontis. I'm the studio manager at Hayslight Studios. Uh, I run basically all the day-to-day -day, uh, here at Hayslight, and I've been with Hayslight since its inception back in 2014, and we're making, well, so far, mostly co-op games. Um, among them, the Game of the Year 2021 winner, It Takes Two. That was a phenomenal game, by the way. So congratulations on that one. Thank Brilliant. You. So let's kick off with the first question. Uh, so Abigail, as leaders, how can we encourage and create a culture of innovation within teams? Uh, do you want to give some context around why you wanted to ask that one specifically? Sure. So, um, you know, I... So much of, of what I try to do as a leader is to help teams understand that constraints aren't necessarily hampering innovation. They actually breed innovation. And um, I'm wondering if, if you two have uh, any thoughts um, and maybe we can talk about what our different approaches are towards encouraging that uh, mindset and encouraging that just growth mindset. Because I, I've noticed teams have a tendency at, at first blush sometimes to want to uh, pattern match and 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 go specifically towards things that they're familiar with, um, and so uh, so much of the work that I've done um, at the studios is is trying to get people to 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 look outside of that, and I'd love to hear um, from both of you also like how how you've done that as well. All right, Christopher, do you want to kick us off on this one? Absolutely. Uh, I absolutely love this question. It's something that we think a lot about uh, on a daily basis as well. Uh, I think building a culture for innovation uh, really starts with uh, kind of the team composition and the way that people work. If you start with uh, you know, time, for instance, if, if, if you have a project that is tightly planned, like all sprints are fully booked with features that needs to be developed. People don't really have time or the brain capacity or kind of mindset to think about new and cool stuff. It's all about just finishing what you have taken on. Uh, so I think, you know, just starting there, but making sure that people actually have the brain space uh, to think about things beyond just finishing what they have uh, committed to is, is, is one great thing. Uh, but I also think that it comes down to to social safety uh, in in game development. It's really easy to to just say that well, hey, I'm the game designer. I'm the one coming up with all the cool ideas, and I'm just a programmer. I'm just implementing them. 
but really it is a teamwork where everybody contributes and everyone is, is building the game, but you know, doing different parts. Uh, so feeling that you're not only, you, know, you don't only can comment and come with ideas, it's actually encouraged and something that is valued and that everyone's opinions and ideas are uh, treated equally. Uh, it's kind of the foundation to getting people to even, even bother uh, really. Uh, so that's something to to uh, to build on. But it's also very kind of important that if you have ideas that uh, you have the autonomy to actually try them out, explore them, and not feel like, oh, now I'm not doing this other thing that I'm supposed to do, and I'm trying out my own personal data, that you actually have, uh, you know, you feel that you have the mandate to kind of choose that. Actually, today, I'm going to explore this cool thing that we uh, found out yesterday, because that's, that's what what's happened, you know. Innovation, for me at least, comes based on past experiences. Uh, it could be when you are playtesting a game. It could be that you have, you know, done a bunch of features in a previous game, and now you're begun, you know, about to start building a new game. And then, you know, what do you want to change? Um, but if you don't have uh, that context and you have that freedom to explore, I think it's it's super hard to to, to kind of get uh, innovation going. So uh, yeah, I think that's the, the core of it, uh, kick, yeah. kicking things off. Yeah, I totally agree. Like there's so, sometimes I find I have to give people permission to be creative. Um, again, and I think psychological safety is such an important component of that. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. What do you think, Oscar? Yeah, I like this one. I'm thinking a lot of, of how we're doing things here at Hayslight, um, uh, actually, because both of the thing, things you mentioned, I mean, you, you usually need to have some kind of some kind of constraints or borders usually which you work within. I mean, we've, I've, I've seen what happens when, when, when you don't task people with being problem solvers, but more like just, you know, everyone's an inventor, here's a blank canvas. That is not usually easy to work with. Um, you know, few people do can work with that, but but it's usually if but it, as soon as you give a little bit of borders or frameworks or something to work within, but then have a very blank canvas within those borders, uh, a lot of magic can usually happen, uh, both on individual and team level. Uh, so I definitely think seeing finding a way how to how to create those those that that framework that, that, that those borders but not to fill it in too much in in the middle but actually leave some space there for people to to put in their own creativity i think is really really important um and also as you said you know the <laughs> christopher about you know well i'm a designer i need to do the cool stuff and that's that's my job only no one else can can do cool design and that's also i think really really important and we have a saying here that you know a great idea doesn't have to come from a specific person a great idea is a great idea no matter who who drops it uh, and it doesn't matter what role you have. Uh, you don't even have to be in the dev development team. Uh, you know, I work in reception, but I have this cool idea. Well, it actually is a cool idea, so let's try it out. You know, it, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, and I think it's not easy, but creating a culture on that, I think, can be, can be very, very good. Uh, it's, I mean, the, the key, the, the core thing is, of course, prestige and how, how, to, how to create that feeling that, you know, we're, make, we're doing this together. You know, no one's going to look down on the designer because the artist came up with a cool design idea. You know, it's just, it's still the designer who has to realize that anyway. Uh, and, 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 and together they're going to build something really cool. Um, so that's, I, I've, I've seen how we have we done some, some, some work like that uh, here and but I've seen, you know, I've seen how how we sometimes can work really, really well, and other others others not. Uh, and I guess, and this is just me being not having, I haven't worked uh, at 
such a large studio like you have uh, you have uh you guys um so i mean it's easy to come from a small team environment and say you know this is easy you know everyone talks to everyone it's just a flat structure and you know just just do it and definitely think there's a challenge to how to expand on on this to a, a larger setting uh where you no know, not everyone knows everyone and you know there's usually f more steps in the communication chain uh so, yeah. yeah, it definitely makes it harder at larger studios. I've worked at both small and large studios and, and you know, because because creating those connections, uh, you need to know who needs to talk to who. But I, I do think it's, it, it still scales well as long as you know who to get into the room together. I mean, that's one of the things I honestly love about working in games is, is you get people from all of these different viewpoints in a room and give them a problem to solve and see what they come up with. And that's when that's when that kind of magic happens, in, in my opinion. Just, uh, those are those are that's those are the days that really get me get me excited <laughs> personally. I think you touch on something really important there is that you know the forum where you not only present your ideas but also where you can kind of bounce on others' idea and and just brainstorm and iterate because that's often what happens. You have an idea and then someone else you know rides on that idea and fills in with new uh, approaches and new angles and then you know, those discussions that's really where where the magic happens and where a, a good idea becomes a great idea or you actually find out that ah, actually maybe that wasn't such a good idea uh, and that's also you know important to to do to have all of those discussions and and, uh, and talks because at the end of the day you will end up with uh, should we actually you know explore this idea or should we not and you know should we do this in the project uh, or should we not uh, so having those forums uh, are crucial and i know in the past uh, pre corona you know everyone was at the office everyone was was talking after a playtest and then you know everyone went home uh, and started doing you know, text discussions instead. Uh, I personally find that super hard because you you kind of lose so much in in the verbal communication when you when you're just doing text. Uh, so I don't know. Have have you seen kind of the creative landscape change uh, throughout the pandemic? And, and kind of are you getting less less ideas, uh, game ideas? Mm. Oh, go ahead, Oscar. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yes, I would say, um, uh, as you say, there's there. It's it's hard to take away the fact that there's something of you know being everyone in the room and, and, and shooting stuff, and also you know throughout a work day as well. You know, it's like you have that morning and morning creative meeting, and then you bump into each other during the day, and you you know you keep discussing it, and those more impromptu meetings uh, that happen is really really good for creativity for sure and, and i think um you it's 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 hard to get the same thing going uh in in in, in, a, in a matrix of of, of uh, discord windows or something like that or team meetings um so that is definitely something that i think we've seen um but also um it's it's definitely it's i don't know how it's for you guys but but we've 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 seen a lot of of people just bumping into each other so it's not only just a meeting uh it's it's I mean, I've I've seen people come up with great ideas during lunch uh, together because uh, they just happen to end up in the in the in the pantry with you know some people from tech art and and a designer and you know uh, someone from audio design ended up having lunch together and they came up with something really cool. Uh, so so 
those things I think is really even if 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 there's a remote full remote space finding some way of of mixing people up in that in that way so you're not getting stuck in structures uh, of you know these are the people that talk because otherwise it's it's going to be really hard to, to leverage those those ideas that come out of uh, those kinds of meetings. Yeah, we usually joke about that. The best ideas comes when you leave a meeting. You know, everyone yeah, stands up yeah. and walks out the room like, "Oh yeah, by the way." Uh, and also, I think it, some of the best ideas. I've I've tried this actually exercise a few times in our games. Is the best stuff is usually the things that is you're unable to accredit to one person. It's usually always the case. It's, you know, it's no no one single person can claim this whole idea. That's usually the best stuff because there's been so many minds in there uh having you know given their take on it and and polished uh polished that to to something something greater yeah and i miss I, I miss those spontaneous moments but i think um you know one thing that i've tried to do uh is build those moments into remote work <laughs> it's it's not easy but like running a workshop and then i'll all of a sudden tell everybody okay go for a walk and then come back in 15 minutes and we'll come back and see what ideas we've come up with or you know just spontaneously setting up a coffee with somebody um that i might normally see even though we don't have anything on the agenda we always find things to talk about uh, i actually have found that that things like you know miro actually um and maybe this is just the nature of whiteboarding, but like I found I get more ideas from Miro than I do from a physical workshop because people I think feel more comfortable putting down ideas that they aren't, they don't think are final, mm. like, you know? Um, and so, because I, I guess it doesn't feel as physical. I, I don't know why, but it, it I, I get a lot more uh, idea generation from a Miro board than I would from a physical whiteboard. And I think that's really interesting. And I, 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 I do wonder if that has something to do with, um, you know that lack of um, that that lack of nervousness around sharing your ideas potentially. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, we we definitely seen we started using Miro a lot during the pandemic. We didn't we haven't never touched it before actually. Uh, but it's definitely a good space uh, for people to throw ideas at the wall, kind of thing, right. uh, for sure. But I, I just want to something I want to ask ask you guys if if you if you've seen this. Um, this is just a personal reflection, uh, but I, I've. Feel like you can usually see that people tend to lean into different creative directions. Um, I've one being the, the people that are really, really creatively well equipped to come up with the initial idea out of, out of thin air, and then people that are really, really, really good at riffing off of that. Um, and it, I've seen seen the case where where you if you put you know a couple a small group of people that are really good at coming up with, with things out of thin air. Uh, you get a lot of stuff, uh, but it's usually not that refined. Right. And then and if you put a group of people that are usually really good at riffing at ideas, you don't really get that much at all because they got not, nothing to start going with. Um, so definitely looking at those kinds of personalities and putting the different kinds together it usually goes a long way because because um, so it's but that's more on a personal level, you know, finding out, you know, who are you creatively? Uh, and, and and how can we leverage that? I mean, I know myself. I've, I can be fairly creatively helpful if I get something to go off of. But if someone says to me, you know, come up with an idea, I'm, I'm blank. But if you have a, 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 you know, something of an idea, I can come up with three different new ways of taking that in another direction. So so, so getting to know that within your team, I think you know, it can also be really good to find different groups to put together. And role doesn't matter. It's just what kind of how how do you creatively work. Hmm. 
and I mean, an idea is, is, is one thing when it's in your head or on paper, and it's a different thing when you try it out in your game. So you have different types of people contributing to the innovation, actually making it happen. And then you play it, you feel it, you iterate and you polish. And, mm. and, and so you need, you need all the different types uh, for sure, but get someone to actually polish it up for you, then, then, uh, then they, I think they, they need to feel that they, they have the, the power uh, to go beyond uh, the initial design description. I think that's why understanding your team dynamics is so important. Like when I'm hiring, I try to look for people, what's missing from my team instead of, you know, nece not necessarily what we need, because uh, there's, there's so often, like, like you said, Oscar, there's these holes of, of different skills or personality types or, or work types. And I think um, making sure that you understand that is so important. Mm, so you've discussed a lot about different ways in which you can facilitate and create, but Oscar's question actually starts to talk about the risks that are involved. So creative innovation requires taking risks. Risks. Could there be ways in how we can make games that reduces risk to promote further innovation in the creative space? So Oscar, do you want to give some context around that for the guys? Yeah, um, this is more of uh, you know lifting up the scope a bit to to more on like an industry level uh, more because um, this is something that I've I'm personally. Uh, feels a little bit sad about actually it's because uh, we know that you know trying trying new things out that no one's tried before or is very very different you know it's it's hard to to know exactly how that's going to be received um or how that's going to go and and this is more of this is goes more into you know budgets and stuff like that but it's 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 sad to me that we're seeing a lot at least of you know you have a lot of cool innovative ideas in the very small indie space uh, while in you know as budgets grow and bigger uh you get you know it's you get much more data driven uh and you know let's see what worked in the past and just try and leverage that as much as possible which is not really a way to move forward uh at least not in any kind of interesting uh pace so i'm more of since, since the topic you know is you know how can we innovate how we make games i mean it's i think this should be i, I would like this to to i mean data is good but to an extent um and and there's still you know is is, is there only the small very very small indie teams that are allowed to to try and be innovative because you know they, they don't they, they don't need that much sales or income to to uh, to to sustain themselves. Um, are there ways we can we can bother to try things out a little bit more? Because it feels like yeah, I'm mean, a little bit of a tangent, but it feels like it's since if you're only chasing the big numbers always is so is okay. So potentially, what could make money? Well, let's say the you know let's let's make a new battle royale game because. Fortnite's shown that you can make a lot of money out of that. Um, it's, of, I mean, I, I'd say the risk in that is quite high because you have to be the next, you know, big thing out of, you know, there's not room for that many really big for, titles. But it feels like if, if, if so many companies chase that, you know, uh, golden pot at the end of the rainbow, um, it's, you know, we're just going to see a lot of failed multiplayer games that looks like everything else. Because if you make it big, you're going to make the big bucks. But it feels like there's a lot of budgets and production money that could have gone into, let's try something new. Let's try, you know, let's try and make some, what's going to be the new Fortnite, the new thing instead. But it feels like it's all, there's so much, you know, the data shows that we can make a lot of money if we have, if we can steal 
this amount of players from the this other game into our game instead. So I don't know. The, the, it's I don't have more solution, but it feels like you know it's just some it's just like a, a golden middle way where you know no we can at least try stuff at this level because it's it's just as risk it's just as much risk to, as to trying to make just the next big carbon copy of what's hot right now. <laughs> Right. Well, Abigail, you've worked at a few different studios. Maybe you can start this one off. Sure. Well, well, personally, I love this question because I, 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 I think it is so relevant because you know you're, you're absolutely right. As the as the budget increases, the threshold for risk <laughs> it becomes much more sensitive, right? And and you know the the dystopian sci-fi nerd in me is 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 afraid that we're going to, you know, in five years, we're going to end up having the algorithms decide what kind of games we make, right? So, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, while I, I, the data-driven approach is, is, is legitimate and it, and it's, and it can really help make decisions. I don't think it necessarily helps with the innovative side of things. Um, I think um, one way to mitigate this, and I've, 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 I've thought about this from the perspective of other places I've worked is, start with smaller budgets, <laughs> you know, um, and a smaller team and give them, like I said, a problem to solve, right? And and see, and then, and then disperse, you know, several small budgets across different teams, right? And see what they come up with to solve that same problem. And then, you know, as, as, as those, those ideas come together, rather than thinking about your game development and, you know, kind of a, a that's part of the problem with the, with the, I think a lot of the big budgets is, is it almost because of the risk aversion, you, you get almost this like factory mindset. Okay. This is how, this is how we, we know how to make this kind of car. And this is how many people we need to make this kind of car. Whereas if you're starting with smaller teams, giving them a problem to solve and, and having other teams solve that same problem, not only can they see how each of them are addressing that and riff off of it, but you can also give them opportunities to, uh, you get this kind of healthy level of competition. Like you always have to be careful about, you know, the level of competition. You don't want them to feel like they're competing for resources, but you you want them all to feel like they're they're moving towards the same the same thing. And then of course, as, as you're moving to the levels of uh, production, you just kind of bring more people on depending on the, the different gates that you have and, and just be ready to embrace failure and risk really early on and, and stop things that aren't working um, and, and fuel more things that are. I don't know, what are your thoughts, Christopher? I'd love to hear what, what, you, what you think. Yeah, I mean, innovation comes with the risk. That's kind of the, the, the nature of the game. We're trying right. to do something that hasn't been done before. So obviously, if you want to innovate, you have to take risk. Uh, but I think it needs to start with a very clear vision. You know, what what do you want to innovate in? Because uh, you could innovate in all directions. Uh, I mean, I've, I've worked at, uh, at all types of games, uh, Battlefield, for instance, and how do we keep innovating within that space? You have the rules, you have the boundaries, but you still want to create a new, fresh uh, gaming ec experience. Um, the way I try to think of it uh, at Fast Travel is to have that uh, kind of vision and try to come up with a plan that this is where we are now, this is where I want to be in five titles, you know, what can each game innovate on? I might not know exactly now that, you know, game three is going to innovate on this feature, but at least I kind of know which areas that are important to us, uh, the things that we want to stick out with, 
and what things that we are more than happy to uh, reuse. Uh, so you kind of get that balance between, oh, we have, you know, we could start fresh with every brain and just try to innovate on everything. But then we would spend, you know, as, as Oscar said, so, so much time on, 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 on just creating new, new risks uh, rather than sticking to some things that we know work, they might not be perfect, but you know, you get that base level of, of, of features and functionality and workflows and uh, design concepts and uh, ideas. And then we have certain things that we want to you know, always push forward. Uh, so especially in, in, in the space that I'm in, I'm in uh, with virtual reality, that is a brand new way of making games, we we have to kind of try new things all the time. We focus a lot on, on the feeling of presence and immersion and, and hand interactions. And you know, the first game was okay. And then we tried to do something, you know, constantly try to improve on those things rather than, oh, let's build a new rendering engine. Uh, we use game engines that do a much better job than us uh, in those uh, areas. So that kind of allows us to to kind of keep our innovation focused on the things where we absolutely want to, to innovate. Uh, but I think one thing that you can do is also, if, you, if you're starting out with a new area or something that is uh, quite new to you and you don't really know uh, if it will work, uh, just having or giving yourself like a timeline or uh, some sort of, of, of schedule, like how long do we wait until we have proven that this will succeed or at least shows the, the, the kind of right, right attraction. And if that fails miserably, then what's the backup plan? Uh, so we don't mm. kind of risk the entire project, but let's try this new crazy idea. And if it fails, then we can always do plan B. Uh, so having, having backup plans, uh, I kind of do those risk mitigations, uh, mitigations uh, early on, uh, I think it's, it's kind of key of of you know, teams again coming back to you know feeling that they can uh, innovate and they can uh, try new things while still feeling confident that they can uh, deliver uh, an awesome game at the end yeah you mentioned you mentioned vision there and i i think we might be a little blessed specifically here at hayslights because we have joseph Farris who's extremely strong in his you know mm -hmm. in his way of of, of vision um but I also think um, something that I mean, he, his his ideas stems from what he think is missing. So he, you know, he got he got into the corp space of you know of he wanted he, we made a way out the first corp game from him basically sitting with a friend one Saturday evening like we want to let's play you know do we have some cool adventure game that you can play together and we can both feel important and he didn't find anything so like okay we get to make this um, but I, I I think and 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 he's very strong in like I, I want to make that you know go that kind of game but then but then as you said uh, abigail like you know uh, giving that's kind of giving the problem a little bit to the team uh but the, after that you know as long as you feel like the team is like okay we're on a mission here you know we we have something we have an initial vision of something that you know we feel like we can make something that we maybe haven't seen before or not in this way or it's a really cool setting and and or uh, concepts mashed together or something and then giving the team uh, quite a bit of free reign a little bit to explore that themselves because um, i think making games i mean it's it feels like it's i mean people who make games are gamers usually you know that's you know it's it's how you got there and and i think you know 
you can it feels like you can someone sometimes feel in in the game did the developers themselves want this game to be made in this way or did did someone come with numbers that said that the players that we've interviewed say they want this game so make this game for them now uh, i think that's a really big distinction and, and i think a little bit from what i've seen it's, it's scary that it feels like it's 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 more looking to that you know what do the players say that they want because it's it's you know it's it's old but it, it it's usually the thing you know if you ask the old ford saying of you know if you ask people you know what do you want i want a faster horse you know no i'm going to give you the car now you haven't seen this before but i think you want that even more um so, so that kind of thinking in, in giving well, like the, the team let them say you know what what do we want because if the team is really really passion passionate and then feel like you know this is, can be something that i make that i think is really cool i think is the end result is going to see that and i think that's in itself can be a risk mitigation factor uh, instead of instead of giving a data analyst gives you a paid by numbers uh, kind of form um, to go by. Um, but again, this is definitely easier in smaller settings than it might be in bigger ones. But vision is really, really important. I think you can you can succeed in in bigger organizations as well. Uh, I totally agree that I mean, I personally love data because you can you you collect uh, information that is is non opinionated and 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 you can take action on that uh, if you gather talent for instance you know how do players actually mm. play the game versus how they say they play the game but as you said if you ask the gamers what they want if you look at marketing analysis that oh uh, battle royale games they are really popular let's make a battle royale game uh, it's it's going to be super hard to come up with the next new thing uh, unless you're willing to take risks. Uh, and I agree with Abigail that trying out new crazy stuff in smaller teams um, and maybe not depending on what organization you belong to, uh, you might have very high demands on, on uh, revenue uh, targets. But if you want to uh, innovate and you want to try new things out, maybe allow uh, certain game projects to not make uh, the same amount of money that your big uh, kind of golden star projects do. So I imagine this can be uh, something you talk a lot about at King, having all those huge successes. Like how do you go from from uh, from Candy Crush to the next game? Well, we, we, uh, King is incredibly data driven, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Christopher. I actually really like data as long as that data is telling me what you know it, it is is unbiased, right? Like, and that's I might, I've been reading Thinking Fast and Slow and a few other books on this, and and I think um, you know the, the key is making sure that you're asking the right questions, like you said, not not asking the players for solutions, giving them something to react to, making sure that you you know that you can actually see what they're doing rather than and having them explain <clears throat> what it is they want. Um, and, you know, I think uh, from my perspective, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do uh, at King is, is make sure that, that we're, we're trying to iterate and innovate through our future development work um, and, and make sure that we're trying new things and using the information from trying those things to inform the next stage of the development. Um, there's, there, um, and for example, I talked a little bit about this um, in my in one of my GDC talks. Is is this, uh, live operations content, for example, using that to inform our narrative strategy and and what 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 kind of 
what kind of things that our players actually enjoy in terms of story and that kind of thing. I think there is a lot of opportunity in a games of service to actually continue to innovate. It's harder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is harder because you have to keep the momentum going, um, but you can you can continue to iter innovate through your feature work and through the, the offerings that you're showing your players um, through those gen those regular updates. It's tricky. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I got to say, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the different kinds of data, you know, the the unbiased one or the opinionated one, uh, keeping those apart uh, is definitely key. I mean, we we at Hayslide we we use unbiased data a lot as well, because you know, so we don't you don't have to make the same mistake twice. So no one no one liked this, and not because they said so, but we we could see from their behavior that they really didn't like this. So you know, we should we can probably do something better here. Uh, but that's really really good. But that usually means that you have to put something out there first, uh, and and have that you know be the guinea pig kind of uh, game or or project uh, to tell you this, and then and then you can. Uh, can iterate on that, uh, so it's it's like you're iterating with live products uh, in a way. But I think that's uh, that's still more healthy, I would say, uh, for the industry than than more going out to ask people what they want. Because I think that's usually not the same answer you will get as the actual behavior you can see uh, when you're just observing. Awesome. Yeah. So we've gone through some of the risks, but then Christopher now wants to talk about completely blowing up the status quo and trying a whole different angle. So we built this, the games the same way for decades, more or less. Art makes models, designers place them using level editors, programmers create gameplay logic. So what changes to the game building workflow do you think could disrupt the industry and in what way? Christopher, do you want to um, give a bit more context on why you specifically are trying to pose that question to the group? Of course. Uh, looking back over the decades, again, we've seen tremendous involvement you know of hardware uh we you know uh, the engines have improved we can do stuff that we could only dream of in the past but at the same time we are actually building the actual games very much the same way year after year after year so again coming from a small studio at least compared to yours we actually 50 people now so i should probably stop saying that we are small uh mm. but the way that we have sold things in the past at the bigger studios is that you, if you want to make a bigger game, a more ambitious project, uh, the answer has always been to scale up the team. We need to add more programmers, we need to add more artists, more designers, more of everyone, uh, because the scope is big and we have to produce so much more. And uh, being an engineer, I always find that aren't there smarter ways than just adding people to the problem? Like, can't we come up with new ways of making games that allows smaller teams? Everyone wants to work in smaller teams because uh, you have that close connection to each other. You can bounce ideas uh, off each other as we have uh, spoken about. And I think also uh, getting more time to iterate and create more polished experience, which will create a better player experience, which is what we all want to do at the end of the day you know, because if the players like the games as much as we like them more players will buy them uh, we will spend less time building them and, and kind of you know get more games uh, and, and make more money so i think at the end of the of, of the day there's something interesting here that if we can you know change the way we actually build and create the games we can uh, not only make you know better games but also make more money if if that makes sense so I have my ideas, of course, uh, but I would love to hear 
your thoughts? Yeah, so Oscar, do you want to kick us off on this one? Yeah, this one is, is really tough because, as you say, you know, how do we stop doing things the way we're doing it? And, and yeah, it's, it's, this one is, 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 is a real twister. But as you say, it feels like it's, from what I thought of it, you know, there's one component that can be, you know, what can tech do for us in general? You know, that we're seeing so many things now of, you know, AI uh you know generated uh, you know content uh, in different ways um but also the people component of course you know how can we st not just pile much more people into it because there's a diminishing return effect on that as well um the the, much, the, hard, the higher you scale and um uh, i don't know I, one thing I've, I've thought of i mean to some degree it's being it's being done but, but i don't know to how much extent but it feels like there's especially if, if you're a smaller team there's there's so much you know you need to build everything from scratch always you know when you make when you make games in in a way you know at least within you know when when you're comparing studios to to each other it's like you know we're going to make this cool game set in this in this you know environment that looks kind of like these other five games that are out there in a way but we're going to make our own take on it and you know I'm looking more of the visual things now, for example, and there's, you know, I don't know how many studios have, you know, made the same barrel drum and made the same rocks and made the same this and this. And I know there's, you know, of course you can buy assets and stuff like that, but, but to just a, a certain extent, but I feel that this, I don't know if there's could be more, more sharing. Cause as you say, you know, there, it, it takes a lot of, you know, art is definitely a heavy thing that needs a lot of people to, to make. And, and I don't know if this could there be faster ways of, of actually sharing, uh, uh, with each other because I think I mean I've, I've seen how, how how the teams work and you know you can dress you can dress most things up very differently you know I, I don't think games necessarily would look more the same if, if we've if we borrowed some stuff from each other technically I mean some things you cannot you know you cannot bother borrow your, the main character for somewhere else but I'm sure there's a lot of other things you can do um, and, and that could probably extend to more technologies and stuff like that because it feels like it's somewhere somewhere and I know with it I mean we work with EA as our publishing partner so I know we have some relationships with other EA internal and external studios uh, so we have some knowledge sharing there but and then you have GDC of course but that's more of you know sharing experiences and stuff like that uh, but actually sharing real sharing of of, of uh, you know underlying tech and stuff like that usually don't might happen in that setting it's more you know it needs to be something with someone you're close to uh, but that could also be something for the industry as a whole to you know let's start sharing more because at the end of the day what's going to sell your game is probably not you know this cool ai routine that we've made for first person shooters it's it's how you apply that in your game creatively and how you package that up so maybe yeah i don't know i mean i know there's when while i'm saying this there's a ton of legal stuff behind this as well but in a more utopian way where we all just share and be happy with each other i think this we're building stuff from the ground up a lot in this industry uh over and over and over again um and i'm not sure we have to to the degree that we do nice yeah abigail any 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 thoughts um well i totally agree with oscar that um i think technology can basically like i agree technology is a way of removing roadblocks for teams and allowing them to get more creative right and i you know what I, what i'd love to see at some point is you know rather than an artist having to you know you know, create their, create their drawing, you know, model it, rig it, you know, texture it and all that. And, and, and then all of a sudden something needs to get changed. If they have to change the rig, then they need to make a whole bunch of changes in the back. Mm -hmm. You 
know, it would be so nice if, if they could take, you know, that the, the, that concept that they have in their mind, you know, have some video of anime, like this is me talking, you know, way, way ahead in the future, but like you, you, you could have a video, you motion capture video of somebody moving and then, and then really easily use technology to, to bridge the gap between those two things. I think as a designer, you could do that too, you know, so, you know, potentially like having people play in a physical space and, and using, using, using that to, you know, be able to actually experiment with different mechanics and experiment, you know, be able to jump in really easily to basically a, an environment that the team's created. And, and instead of, you know, jumbling with a controller and animations that are half finished, actually being able to really easily move your, move your characters easily through the environment, be able to move elements easily through the environment without having to, you know, have things so far into production, right? <laughs> the sooner that you can get that that level of polish the, the, into in the, the sooner that you can find the problems within your your issues. Because so many times in the early prototyping phases, we find that we need, you know, and I find teams try to do this just in general. They always want everything to be really polished before they even start playtesting. So if, the sooner we can get them playtesting and comfortable with that level of play polish i feel like the the more likely they are to be able to innovate and quickly iterate on bigger things because that's what happens you know there's so often we have trouble being able to change things so far down in the production pipeline and that 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 means that's where things get cut where we had a cool idea because we were playing with it we just weren't able to change it you know what i mean mm -hmm. i'd love to see that day happen <laughs> if we could <laughs> nice I've I think you both touch on very interesting things. I mean, uh, as you say, you know, could we share more? I think we in the games industry is quite protective of the things we do. Like, if it isn't invented here, then you know we can do it better than than others, perhaps. Uh, so I think that's definitely one one thing. There's one area where there's actually lots of sharing. That's within within research. Uh, so uh, I know, like, for instance, in in rendering techniques, then you know there's a lot of sharing. Like Google is, is is publishing a lot of, of, of things that they do that you know uh, all all the smart people uh, cannot take and 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 realize in uh, Unreal and Unity and 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 whatnot. Uh, so that's 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 super super cool. Um, I think that one thing that we don't do, you know, in the spirit of sharing, is that we we try to reinvent the wheel too often there's lots of tech from other industries that we could use but they might not be well they're not deemed as game dev tech it might oh that's web technology you know how does that fit in 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 into our space i think there's lots of things that will happen there that we will start as a industry we we, we will kind of broaden uh, the spectrum and, and, and use uh, existing technologies uh, and bring them in and I kind of change our workflows just because we are using those new uh, technologies. That's that's one thing. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that at least in in my head uh, and what you are asking for, uh, Abigail, is really uh, automation and generation of uh, all kinds of things. And I think that what, what, what I see from companies like, like Google, for instance, and uh, NVIDIA, uh, machine learning or not, uh, but going from here's a rough layout or something, and then algorithms and data fill in the blanks and produces you know, something that looks 
awesome and plays awesome for the context that it's being used in. And then when you like later in 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 the production pipeline, uh, you know, figures out like, oh, actually we need to change this. But again, you can just regenerate uh, all of those uh, things because they are kind of being built uh, from the ground up uh, by being automated and and generated. So I definitely think that that is. I don't know if that's gonna kind of disrupt the industry, but it's definitely gonna 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 help in in making smaller teams being able to produce more quicker and do less of the boring manual mundane uh, work. Uh, especially if you're working on cross-platform titles that scales from you know mobile up to to PC, then there's so much stuff that you need to do manually uh, that. If you can just automate that, you know, everyone's going to be happy and you, you get more time uh, to do polish. But I think for that to actually happen, uh, we not just one kind of type of developers, it's not just artists, it's not just designers, it's just not just coders. Everyone needs to kind of adopt and accept that, yes, we will have to work a bit differently. Uh, we might not be able to control every step the same way as we do when we do everything manually. Or if you want to create something that is truly, truly unique in every sense, then yes, I mean, that's like uh, any artist. Like if, you, if you want to paint every stroke, then, then, then fine. But if you want to do a, a different type of, of, of piece of art, then you might reuse things uh, in a different way. So I think automation and, and generation is, you know, in the immediate future, it's going to be uh, a big game, game changer. Uh, in in how we make it. Do either of you watch Two Minute Papers? No, sorry. <laughs> I love uh, it's 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 this wonderful YouTube channel where they go they 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 try to cover uh, research papers in under two minutes. And it's rarely under two minutes, <laughs> but it's just wonderful. And 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 if you look at it, you can see the possibilities, right? Um, because you know there 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 is so much like Christopher saying, there's so much research happening now that would potentially allow us to, to, to do some of the things that are talking about. It's not as far away as we think it is, in, in my opinion. Um, Christopher, what do you think actually like would really disrupt? What, 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 if, if you were to flip the table on game, <laughs> on game development, you know, what, 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 what do you think, what do you think uh, would, would that look like? I mean, I'm, I am, I am biased. I, I think that machine learning will be one of those technologies that will completely change how we do things. Uh, depending on how you use them. I mean, we see we see companies like uh, Embark doing some pretty awesome stuff, uh, and, and and they ac acknowledge that yeah, we need to do things differently. You we we need to trust that the outcome will be good uh, eventually. Uh, and again, it's super early, so so uh, we just need need to keep doing it. But I've seen so so many things, everything from you know virtual production to uh, you know, style transfers and deep fakes. I mean, there's so much that that you know, could potentially just turn everything upside down if we are willing uh, to let go uh, of control to some extent. Uh, it won't be exactly the way you would have made it if you would have hand-drawn every polygon. Uh, it would be different, but it might be, from a player experience, just as good or even better. Uh, it's interesting because so, uh, I think... Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's... It is. I mean, it's basically if we get to that point, that's basically the key to all the other things we've talked about, <laughs> in a way. Because I mean, if if you lower the step to 
let's say, uh, as I said, Abigail, you know, we want to get them to play test quickly in a good state. You know, if we can lower that, the amount of manpower and time it takes to get there, uh, you can iterate faster on your creative processes. You can try more risky things because it costs less to to get to that point. Um, so definitely it's like, it, it's the bright future if we can get there. And if you also, if you can, as you say, you know, you can, an artist can, can, can empower themselves enough to, you know, be a bit of a designer and animator and, and engineer in a way as well with these supports and they can try out their ideas uh, much more quicker. Uh, Cause you know, that's what we're seeing, you know, coming to the fact of, you know, how do we, how, how we make games now is that it's, it, it take there's so many steps to to get to a point where it actually looks you know looks like something that's even interesting and, and playable uh for the, at least the untrained eye uh, so so getting there would, would definitely be quicker because i think you know anyone can grab a, a camcorder and shoot like a video it's not going to look like anything that james cameron did but they can at least get something on the screen but you know if, if, you, if you give that same person or here's a piece in unreal engine it's not that easy uh, and I think when we get to a point where the threshold is, is lowered for more people to get into this as well and try stuff out earlier, um, I think they can definitely up the, the general you know, quality of, of games and ideas and how we can try out new things uh, in the gaming space. Or at the very least, create new uh, gaming experiences. Yeah, for sure.